Matinee Talk. We're going to talk about it right Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. Cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it, about it, about it, about it. And welcome to this special episode of the Tanae Talks podcast. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. I got a very, very exciting, controversial, taboo topic today um, entitled When I Left the Church featuring Miss Parshel Tashi. So welcome, Parshel, to the show. Hey there. Hey there. So happy to have you on the show. First of all, I just want to say that I initially wanted to do this show in 2019 about millennials leaving the church. I want to put a full disclaimer out there that I do identify as a Christian. I am a follower of Christ, and this is in no way to lead somebody away from Christ. (laughs) However, comma. People have their own paths and their own journeys, and I am a firm believer of that as well. And so we're going to get into this conversation with uh, Parshel. So I'm going to tell y'all a little bit how I met Parshel. I met Parshel about three years ago. I went on a trip to San Diego uh, to meet, uh, well, not to meet, to go spend Christmas (laughs) with one of my closest friends, Karima. And uh, I went hiking, and I met Parshel on hi- at hiking because she was one of Karima's friends. <laughs> and she just had a good vibe, a good energy about herself. I also met Jenna. If y'all uh, listen to the show, then you know Jenna was on the show about John the Con. And Parshel actually, you know, put the visuals together for that. So, you know, I'll let Parshel tell a little bit about herself. So welcome again, Parshel. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here and chat. Uh, it, it, I do remember hiking and, and meeting you because that was such. I, Jenna and I hiked a lot, and it was always fun uh, to do that and do something different. And um, anyway, I'm I'm excited to be here and to chat. It's uh, it, it feels good to just connect with people again, too. I mean, yes. given everything that's going on. Um, but uh, a little bit about me: I'm a video producer. That's my profession, and I used to actually be a high school teacher. And um, my story kind of evolves, and it's centered around a lot of church tradition that I grew up with and how my story evolved into, you know, how I see the world and, uh, and, and approach spirituality. I love it. So there is a, a, a double connection on the show. Parshel is a former teacher, and we also have another teacher as a special guest today, you may have heard him on other episodes. <laughs> may have. <laughs> you may have seen him in a video somewhere. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> we have the greatest history teacher on earth, mm. Mr. Oh. Terrence Rogers. <laughs> nice. Yo. <laughs> he's, he's still in the teaching profession. 
He hasn't left yet. Nope, Harsha. not yet. I'm still there. Huge, huge emphasis on yet. <laughs> but, I love it. But as you said, it does feel so good to connect because we've been in quarantine and, you know, I mean, people have been connecting through social media, but it's nothing like, like, I'm so happy to be in the studio, like to touch to touch y'all can see y'all can see. <laughs> <laughs> to like touch the studio to be in the studio just to be outside you know I've been you know keeping in with the quarantine tactics I, I actually got my mask as you can see in YouTube land this is a cover over the mic so we're taking uh. like extreme precautions uh, to be safe but it, it feels good to be out it feels good I didn't want to like record at home on zoom I know a lot of podcasters were doing that but for me I have been on zoom and webinar meetings at work day in and day out and it just wouldn't have given me the same energy of <laughs> being in the studio I needed to be here I need yeah. to hear my theme music you know what I mean so how does it feel for you Terrence to like be out of the house <laughs> I was feel good I love it <laughs> so uh i wanted to i found this clip so people again today's episode is entitled when i left the church you can go on youtube and put in when i left the church and you can see Parshel's entire story and her journey into what led her to leaving the church and we're going to touch on that in this show too but like i said to get the full totality of it make sure you go on over to youtube and put in when i left the church subscribe to her channel and maybe you can relate maybe you have some questions maybe you're you know wondering you know about this thing called life and religion and god and church and how that how that applies to you and where you are in your mindset, especially when things are going in the way that they're going. Like we're going to go mm -hmm. in, in history with this quarantine, right? <laughs> it's going to be in the history oh, yeah. books and our grandkids or even our kids, kid, you know, well, our kids, kids, our grandkids, but you know, they're going to learn about this. And one of the things that they may ask us in the future is, you know, how did your faith play a role during this time? What was religion like? They're, like never in history that I know of, even during slavery, church was open. <laughs> like church is closed. <laughs> that is, that is a huge, it's a huge shift, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's totally different and new. And I've seen uh, and heard of some churches that are basically setting up a speaker outside and people showing up to the parking lot and parking one or the other and doing communion, doing church services and everything <laughs> from the parking lot. My cousin in Ohio, actually, they had parking lot service, but I didn't know about the step further of communion. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they would serve a communion like the drive-in theater, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's, that you know, is crazy. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Desperate times cause for <laughs> desperate measures. But I just, I, I also wanted to I'm so happy that I get to interview Parshel because her story is not like the stories that you may have heard where people are like shunning the church or like, you know, somebody did me wrong and I'm leaving or, you know, like a lot of times when someone says that they're leaving, they are leaving the church or they have left the ch church. It's like a horror story, right? Mm -hmm. 
or sometimes they feel like the pastor is greedy, money hungry. It's 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 a really negative thing as to why they're leaving. And Parsh, that's not Parshel's story. So before we get into my questions, I wanted to play this clip because this is how a lot of people view church. Now, before I get to my sermon, I understand that there's some people out there who need my services. Yes, Lord. Are there any people out there who are weak? Yes. Any people out there who are weary? Yes. Any people out there who are tired? Yes. Any people out there who just need a heal? Yes. Y'all got cash. Yes. Well, then come on down. <laughs> now, brother, just what seems to be your affliction? I have constipation in my back. I've been to the doctors, and they can't do anything. Y'all hear that? The man got constipation all up in his patella. Man can't walk. How much the hospital gonna charge you to fix that? About a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. I can heal you for two fifty. Babe, the man is a fraud. You know. <laughs> and that was a clip of the Reverend Leon Lonnie Love <laughs> from one of my fave shows, Martin. But <laughs> but that is how you know people view church they feel a lot of times they're leaving because they feel like the pastor is crooked he's stealing money you know you got prayer cloths and all of this stuff and again I want to say that is not why (laughs) Parshel left the church but you know everybody has their reasonings and we're gonna uh we're gonna get into it so um, like I said, I identify as a Christian, a follower of Christ. We have Terrence in the building. Terrence, what do you identify as your path? Uh, I practice my ancestors' traditional way. I practice Ifa. And Parshel, what do you identify as of late? You know, that's funny. It's it's hard to say that I do identify with anything. <laughs> um, it's more that I've just kind of, what I feel like spirituality is, is just developing what works for you to connect with God. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know what to call it. Call it Parshel's way. <laughs> <laughs> Parshel's way. That's it. I did. Because it worked for me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me too. So my first question I want to ask was, what was the defining moment that led you into leaving the church? So back in, this was 2013, I believe it was. Yeah, 2013. My husband and I had just moved from Virginia to Philly. Um, this was a business-related venture. And so once we got there, though, and mind you, we had been a part of a number of churches together, and we, we picked up on this pattern that we were not interested in being a part of mm-hmm. once we got to Philly. Now, mind you, being in Philly from uh, where we live in Virginia, this was the farthest that I had been or lived from you know, my immediate family and some of the routines that, you know, you're used to doing as black folks, (laughs) you know, go to church, you know, services, this, this, and that. So I was away from that, but I felt this weird pressure. And I was like, you know, and I, it just, something just kind of hit me one day. I was like, what's the pressure? Why do I feel the pressure to join a church right now? Mm -hmm. You know, the need for a church home. And so that's what really started more of this questioning that we actually have. And because I was away from my traditional routine, you know, and being a part of uh, those communities, it kind of gave me the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to chill. I don't really, I'm going to do something different and not 
join a church right now. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big thing for me because had you told me that, like, you know, five years ago, (laughs) three years ago, I'd have been like, oh, she's tripping. No. Right. Like, get up and find your church home. But at that point in time, just with the given reality, it wasn't a routine that we wanted to jump into again. Um, And the thing, too, about it is that he he was a a musician, Mm -hmm. right? So any church is happy to have a professional musician. Any and then church. on my end, yeah. <laughs> whether it's black, <laughs> then, white, or candy stripe, <laughs> exactly. And then for me, because I'm, I do uh, media marketing and things of that nature, I'm also an asset. So that you know, it became conflicting to be a part of of the church again. It kind of goes through this routine to where you don't really know nobody, and now you all of a sudden got a new part time job. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It just that that's just what it was, and and along with this pressure, it just was like I, I don't know, this isn't for us. And so this what this is what started sort of this um it was like the catalyst yeah for yeah. your the journey that you embarked on that kind of broke you away from church in the sense of traditional black church exactly and it's so interesting that you started with that moment because when I was watching your series when I left the church on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug um you mentioned sure. being tired of always having to join a church so do you think more people would stay in church if they had the freedom to church hop or fellowship with other believers without the stigma associated with church hopping? Because when you touched on that on your video, I was like, that's kind of where I am now because I live in a metroplex, you know, cause you came from Virginia. Now you live in San Diego. It's like more. So growing up, I went to my church. It was my church my whole life until I moved away. And, you know, now that with digital church, I go there on Sundays now, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) I remember growing up, right. And you're, you're a church kid, right. You hear the term church hopping. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm getting older and because I live in a DFW, I moved away from the church that I was going to and that travel part of it, right? Like I don't want to travel 60 minutes to church and then 60 minutes back. So lately, instead of going to the church that I joined, I've been going to the church in close proximity, but I was getting to the point and I told Terrence this, like, I don't want to have to keep having to rejoin because we all are worshiping the same God or the same Christ. So anyway, back to my question, I'm saying what I'm saying, but do you feel that, again, do you think people would stay in the church if they had the freedom to church hop or fellowship under our one God? Yeah, I do, you know, because there's this, for some reason, you know, this this thing about church membership, it's almost like an allegiance to a certain fraternity or sorority, you know what I'm saying? Like who you rep kind of thing. And if you are seen going from one to the other, you can seem pretty unstable. But more than likely, if I were to look at anybody's YouTube channel, for example, to see what kind of stuff they look into for spiritual, you know, um, information or mm-hmm. whatever, you'll see a plethora of number of people that you listen to. And kind of, if, if they did have the freedom, I think that they would eventually seek out more and more. But when you start talking about the allegiance to a certain church, right, and that sort of membership, you know, uh, uh, allegiance that comes with it, that's where it, get, it becomes sort of this, uncomfortable um, feeling of, well, yeah, I decided to come back here because I really like the way this particular church and pastor says this, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm going to come here or on my first Sunday that I'm going to go over here second is whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's all up to the person really. And the church, I think should be there to support, you know, regardless 
of where somebody is coming at. Um, but the church hopping thing comes into play because it just it comes off as being unstable mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And and it also disrupts, the, and I'm going to say it because I'm just being truthful, it starts to, to disrupt the revenue, right, and the, the numbers for a church, right, mm-hmm. because they're able to sustain themselves by knowing that they have a certain number of people that they can count on uh, dedicated to give a certain percentage of their income every month. So now their bills and whatnot can be taken care of. So it's also a little bit of the business side of what it takes to, you know, sort of maintain a church. So church hopping is discouraged I think, <laughs> right. for that reason. Right. But um, otherwise, I, I don't see what the issue would be in finding, you know, different voices. We're always looking at the different, you know, different things. Find yeah. what works for you and eventually you'll see yourself maybe coming back to the same person. And that should be more of a natural relationship that's built versus one that you feel forced to go to through proximity or what have you. I mean, to some extent, I'm really excited to see what the coronavirus and what's happening in current times is going to change the way that we've done church. Mm. It's, I like how you said we have a certain allegiance because it does become like gang gang to a certain extent. Yeah. Like <laughs> it comes like in my, in my hometown, it's more of a smaller town. And even in the DFW where it's like, when people get to the idea of my church is better than your church or my pastor is better than your pastor. Well, I heard your pastor was doing this. Well, I heard your, and it becomes, it, it leaves the, the purpose is lost as opposed to, like you said, if we could just church hop, like, you know, like I said, without the stigma to say, well, I want to go hear this pastor and maybe I want to tithe because we're, we're essentially tithing to Jesus. Right. So it shouldn't matter if I tie that this church, church house one or church house two, but it's because you have pledged your allegiance or membership at this church. It's like you have to pay your tithe here. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it becomes a monetary thing because this church needs to keep their lights and bills on. So that kind of had me. And I was thinking that too, because lately if I like I've been internet churching, right? Because with internet mm-hmm. churching due to coronavirus, I can go to this service, this service. So there was a day where I went to like three services. Well, who did I give mm-hmm. my money to that day? I end up giving it mm-hmm. to my home home church in right. Michigan. Right. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm also curious to see like, you know, how that pans out. But I think that's where because churches are considered they're nonprofits, right? Where to the government. So it's like that business. I think the business part of it takes away from the spiritual aspect. Because remember, there was a time where people fellowshiped outside at the beach in the backyard. And I think that's when it was more organic. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. What say you, Terrence? Oh, about the church hopping. Um, as someone who's been outside of the church for a while, just thinking about it just in general, I, th- I was over here thinking about uh, the relationship between the people and the interpretation of Scripture, You like how it's presented. Um, I know you say it's one God, right? Mm-hmm. But pastors come with a kind of, you know, a different energy, a different flow. They have different sermons, the way they may take Scripture and preach it. I mean, you might have a pastor who 
might speak to people who are like, really like, in a in a way that's really dealing with people. Like he might know his congregation well enough to know these are working class people who are dealing with certain kind of things. And so he preaches them into a way that kind of speaks to their struggle mm-hmm. where you might have some people who might come from a more maybe affluent kind of situation mm-hmm. or just a different background where that whole struggle and overcoming kind of is not, not the... they, they don't hear it that way. And they might want to hear something that speaks to their condition. Not Not saying that. The scripture is actually different, but, you know, it's just how the word is really tied to a person. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, well, I'm leaving this church, people who are there might look at it like you're saying something's wrong with this minister, mm-hmm. the way that he preaches, the what the scriptures that he uses and have you. And sometimes I can see how people get uh, kind of afraid to do that because people start questioning, well, what was wrong with Pastor so-and-so? Mm-hmm. But you didn't like the way he did it? Instead of looking at it like, well, I'm just trying to find something that speaks to my soul. Mm-hmm. It become, because it's very personal, you know. It is. That the church relationship is a family. It's a personal relationship. And people deciding that, yeah, I'm not liking this one. It, I can see how it can be uncomfortable for the people watching you leave mm-hmm. and uncomfortable for you leaving because you kind of – saying something but in the end everybody has to you know we're talking about paths everybody has to go to what really feels that that space that they need spiritually so mm-hmm. so partial you know we t- we just talked about the defining moment of you leaving the church right and this uh, this insatiable need to join and it was like exhausting like why i gotta do that like the, the rigmarole and we grew up in the church and on your video you know you talked about all the good stuff. And some of the stuff I could completely relate to like church lock-ins and you Mm -hmm. got your church friends. What are some of your, you know, special memories that you were like, ah, this is when I really love being a part of the church. Some of those childhood memories that you had. Um, I would definitely say, uh, one of them is the food. Uh, and I think (laughs) I talked about that a bit too. (laughs) Yeah. But there is nothing like sitting in, sitting in church and you just get a whiff of some fried chicken comes through the building. <laughs> that is like, you just start getting excited, you know? Right. Like, when are you going to wrap it up? When will the benediction yeah. set, okay? <laughs> uh, I definitely enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I, honestly, I can say it was the food. Like, Sunday, it was like, you need to get some good food, whether it was after church or at home. Uh, my mom on on certain Sundays out of the month, usually first Sunday, she would actually make homemade bread. Mm-hmm. And so that homemade bread and then she would use the leftover dough and make some cinnamon biscuits. And let me tell you what we did. We would take those cinnamon biscuits in the morning, mm-hmm. put them in the car and leave them right on the dash of the car and let that sun hit it during service and then after service. It was just like, that's all you thought about. It was hidden. <laughs> it was serious. <laughs> Especially after church, it's a, it's a it's a certain kind of hunger on a Sunday afternoon. That's right. a different type of hunger, ain't it? Yeah, so. it is. You are you ain't never lie. I don't know what be going on with like the stomach juices, but that hunger pain hit different on Sunday. So, so in you leaving the church, you know, pe- people don't, especially if you grew up in the church, right? It is scary to your family members or people that might have know you for you to say that I'm leaving the church because the first thing that mm-hmm. they're saying is like you, your soul is lost. 
your soul, you're going, you know, I was growing up, you know, I used to be scared to, if, if I got to church and then we got past the singing, we got past offering and now it's time for the sermon. And then they said, we about to read from the book of revelations. My heart <laughs> would drop to my feet. Like I used to be scared of revelations. Like just thinking of, I know like they used to say that when Jesus come back, it's supposed to be a glorious time. But every time they talked about it, it seemed like scary. <laughs> scary. I know. It seemed scary. <laughs> it, was, it was literally like the scariest thing ever. Right. <laughs> because it's like so I know people are like your your soul and so you mentioned in one of your videos you were tired of defending your choice and do you feel like some people feel like they are in Christian bondage and your sense of freedom exposes or scares them you know the the, the way that I presented my story you know I think what's unique about it is that I lived this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I preached for this. I wasn't just attending. Like I was, I was learning. I was actively involved in different ministries, organizations as a leader, as somebody who would, you know, lead Bible studies or, you know, lead youth groups and things of that nature. I mean, everything that I was presenting, you know, is what I was, that's, that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. And so um, I guess flash forwarding, it's like, I, I think that it's really about the fact that we've been given so much that we've been taught to believe, but we don't know to be true for ourselves. Mm. And so a lot of that information, um, you know, that, that, that was given, it's like for me having to defend my choice, it became frustrating to, to an extent, but a process as well, because I knew that what I was experiencing was real and was true for me. Mm. So me sort of, confronting these beliefs that I was given really opened me up to something else. And, you know, that's what, um, that, 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 and that's, and, and when I took that choice, like, like you said, yeah, I had to defend it in some cases. A lot of people challenged me mm -hmm. openly in front of like groups of people, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I chose something different or because even, and then that actually even started when I started to just like, just learn the Bible more. It was somewhat of a threat to whoever was in leadership. Like, Oh, she's starting to read, you know, she's starting to learn. Mm -hmm. And it really just sort of, it became something that I had to defend. And I had a lot of people that definitely told me that, you know, my soul is lost, that I'm hell bound. And, you know, anything that you would think to, to say was, was said. Um, but like I said, because of my experience, I was taught how to be from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So I can relate to what they're saying. I don't necessarily get upset. I know that they're operating in the same stuff that I operated in. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you were doing that you know? to people too. Like if, if they, yeah. if 10 years ago, someone <laughs> partial of 2020 would have told that to partial of 2010, you would have been like, girl, no, <laughs> right. you would have been I like, would be saying the same thing <laughs> yeah. that they're saying about me. So there's, there's a point of like compassion and understanding, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? where they are and, and and to know that again it's about taking what you've been given as a belief if there's anything that you have any doubt in whatsoever it's not something that you know mm. you know what I'm saying so these these different things that I started to challenge open myself up to allowed me to now know them so now when I take a look at scripture it's like dang, I know what he's saying I know what he's talking about from a real life experience if it's something that um, just has been true for my life, but it was just was presented differently. And everybody's kind of saying the same thing, yeah. I think, to some degree, too, you know. So, 
um, a lot of those things really started to come about. And initially I did have to defend it, but I'm kind of getting to the point where it's just, I don't have to defend it anymore. Wow. I don't see the need to defend it. Well, Terrence, you seem really intrigued by that. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> He's over here like, wow, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> you, can you relate, you know, as coming into, you know, you practice African spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I know you've shared that, you know, even people in your family were just very concerned about your soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, you, I guess you used to feel compelled to defend it. And like she's saying, she's like, I'm centered and I understand. And she leads with a level of compassion. How do you feel in that same sense? Do you still feel the need to defend or, you know? Not anymore. And it's just funny because I don't know how long it took for you, Parshel, to reach that point. But the reason why I was like just kind of looking so intense is because I can recall that this lasted for years for me. I'm talking about I just recently got to a place where I'm just like at peace and I don't feel defensive anymore. I don't feel like I have to defend anything. I'll take the questions as they come. I knew the stuff because I grew up in the church. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in the church. I grew up around church people. I understand church behavior. I understand all of that. There's things about church that I love and all of that great stuff. It's just that knowing what happened when I, when, I stepped away and how people would look at it and be like, you don't believe in God and, you know, yeah. or you're going to hell and, <laughs> you know, all types of things. You know, I didn't have DMs from cousins that's like on the low. So I hear you don't believe in God no more. I'm like, for real? Yeah. You never talked to me. <laughs> like, I believe in God. Okay. I believe in God. <laughs> uh, I remember a coworker said to me, she said, you know, I hear all that you're saying. I just ran down my whole story to her. And she said, you just ain't scared you going to hell. That's enough for me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I actually think I'm free from that fear now. I'm not afraid. But I, but, exactly. the, but the defensiveness, I, I'm like, I'm listening to you. And I'm like, awestruck. I'm like, man, I wish I could have had that a longer time I'm glad of where I am now it's just peaceful and I don't have to feel defensive of anything but yeah it's that break is you know it's shocking it's shocking on both ends yeah yeah so you, you can't um I guess in being defensive like that it's like why do I need to convince you that I'm happy right what difference is that you know what I'm saying right and ra- rather you when you're around me and you experience the lightness you experience the love you experience the peace the same thing that you speak of you know what I'm saying the same yeah. thing that we all want what is there to argue with at that point you know what <laughs> I mean I'm gonna love you I'm gonna help you know what I mean I'm gonna be there and still be who I am you know so at that point what is it what is there to defend you just call it something different I call it partial way <laughs> <laughs> that's something with me I feel like that's exactly what I would have to express to you know the Christian brothers and sisters I'm like but when you see me when I interact with you don't you think I'm a great guy don't you think I'm loving don't you think if you were in trouble I would help you mm-hmm. and all these all the wonderful things is like me not being a Christian should never pop up in your mind when you see me. You could just say, man, that's a sweet guy. That's a nice guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so shouldn't that be the thing, the way I treat you? Shouldn't that be the most important thing? And it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, so, you know, for those in YouTube world and the podcast world who don't know, Terrence and I date each other. And, <laughs> and one of the things, the first thing that we talked about on our first ever meet and greet, I like to call it. Yeah, <laughs> I call it our meet and greet was that's the first thing he put out on the table was that he wasn't a Christian, that he was, he believed in God, right? Which is a big thing, uh, <laughs> believing in God. 
And I'm like, oh, you believe in God? Okay. Like, as <laughs> long as you ain't worshiping the devil, <laughs> we're good. Um, but then as, as we got kind of further into it, you know, I was still kind of shy or ashamed to disclose to people that he didn't identify as Christian. But the funny thing is when people met us, they'd be like, he was sent from God. You remember like, (laughs) you know, like outsiders would be like, Oh, he, they assumed he was Christian. And so they're like, Oh God really unified that. But when we think of God, right? Jesus is the son of God and God, right? In Christianity, we talk that Jesus is like the only way. And then sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, in my older understanding, and I remember you said in one of your videos, the common thread of all religions, right? All of them is love, love. right? Love. God is love. So he's choosing to get to love through his path. I'm choosing to get to love through my path, which, you know, I believe in Jesus, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to feel back. So like you said, when you're, when y'all just saying y'all are happy, shouldn't y'all be happy? I'm kind. I'm going to help you. I'm not going to harm you. In Christianity, we're taught that because y'all are happy, that's the trick of the devil. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. the je- the devil going to really trick me into yes. be happy and I'm not hurting or right. harming yeah. nobody. <laughs> so that, that, that for me is also some of the things that I started to question. It's yeah. like if somebody is truly genuinely feeling happy and they're contributing to society and they are, you know, present in their family and, you know what I mean, exhibiting the same things, but they just happen to not dress up and go to church on a, on a Sunday, you know, or they do different things or maybe they, you know, choose to meditate, you know what I mean? Yeah. They choose to do something different. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's, what's, what's different? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, what is there to complain about? In one of your videos, be sure y'all check out when I left the church. Uh, <laughs> one of your videos, you were talking about when you were in college and how like you would be standing outside of the parties, basically casting the, <laughs> the college students to the pits of hell. Cause they were going hard. to this party. I wasn't doing that. <laughs> When I told Terrence about it, he was cracking up because I would have been one of them people that would have stopped and listened to y'all, and then I would have went right in that party and backed it up. (laughs) Yes. These are car facts, okay? Uh, (laughs) But, you know, even when I was, you know, thinking about doing this show, I wanted to be – I was, like, very – want to be careful with my words because in Christianity we're taught, you know, to lead people towards Christ. And I didn't want it in any way, me saying that I identify as Christian, you know, that I'm trying to turn somebody away from Christ or turn them away from the church. But I think, like I said, I think you said in your last video about Jesus, if we look at like the character of Jesus, he would talk to you, partial. He would talk to you, Terrence. And he would get your perspective and he would love on you. You know, the God I serve, I feel like God is kind and he's not going to be, you know, a lot of times we try to bring God down and say his thoughts, are our thoughts, as if he going to be all with the rah-rah. And when we look at the character of the biblical sense of Jesus, he didn't approach people that way. 
even non-believers, he wasn't so angry and you just going to burn in hell. And I remember the one thing that I told Terrence when I met him and he was like, you just are so different than other Christians that I met. And I said, well, my, I was read, I was raised on love. And I said, Jesus died for you too. And he was like, I never heard that. So no, to me, in the sense of the idea of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, in my mind, I say, whether you're Hindu, because I've had Hindu students, Buddhist students, all these people, I'm like, okay, you follow your path, but Jesus died for you too. <laughs> That's how I look at it. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm looking at it crazy. But in addition to both of you, you know, um, leaving the the church in the sense of how we know church, how has the idea of heaven and hell shifted for you guys? I know you touched on it a little bit, but how has the idea shifted for you guys? I would say for me, heaven and hell is something that you, it's not like an afterthought or something necessarily after life. At least that's the way that I see it now. Um, I see heaven and hell are two different states that you can be living in at this very second. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Our experience isn't necessarily what's happening around us necessarily. It is happening around us, but there's also an internal reality that's happening and that's where god sits that's where his presence is within us and that experience how you engage with it can either present a life for you on the outside that reflects what's going on inside Mm. that represents something that's heaven-like you know like right now if you were to imagine like you know what would be an amazing you'd be in total bliss you know what would that look like for you how would you feel inside that is what i feel like is heaven and i can feel that right now because i choose to Mm-hmm. The same way I can give myself the permission to not feel that <laughs> and to go into inner turmoil and to go into an inner place where it is like you are living in hell. This eternal, like this this burning fire, the way that it's described, that's something that also exists in a symbolic sense for those who live in this sort of inner turmoil. Mm-hmm. They don't know that peace. They don't know that calm that is naturally present um, in them. Mm-hmm. So for me, my you know my perspective has shifted in that regard. And I see heaven and hell as something that I can choose now, you know, in terms of how I want to live, because right now the only thing I know is what's in front of me right here in the very second, not what's going to come after I die. Mm-hmm. I can understand. That's a perspective for me. Yeah. I can understand the, the mind thing. Cause my mother had a bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. Those are, you know, clinical diagnosis. And sometimes mm-hmm. in her mind, she would say she was going through turmoil in her mind. And so, you know, I I couldn't relate to that, but she was going through this thing that nobody understood. And I remember when she passed on and my, one of my uncles wasn't sad. He said, she's at peace now, you know, cause to be living and to be alive and to experience that, that had to be torture. And that's how she, you know, when sometimes she have an episode, how she would describe Mm -hmm. God, I got teary. eyes, But yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. What about you? Um, the concept of heaven and hell definitely shifted just because from an African spirituality kind of uh, context, it is in some sense different with no devil, no hell. So I felt like um, when I was a Christian, there was just always this impending, you know, this impending day of judgment where, I got to see if I got it right. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was always like worried about this future moment. And then when I think about where mm-hmm. I am now, I'm not concerned about 
this later date where I'm going to be judged, I'm, you know, take away the devil. Then I just, I'm just dealing with myself. And so, you know, when me and you talk, you know, I talk about that in the end, uh, the Yoruba say that, uh, that heaven is home and earth is the marketplace. It's just a place that you visit to experience things, to learn things, to collect things. So I look at it like, let me enjoy this moment here. Let me live by good character. Let me, you know, do what I need to do in this life to I get back home to my home being back with God. I don't even think about, you know, some entity that is trying to lead me astray. And when I accept to say that it is life, you know, life can lead you astray. My own choices can lead me astray. My own mind mm -hmm. could lead me to make mm -hmm. bad choices that will create hell for myself. That will create hell for my family. That will create hell for the people around me. Uh, it's like, uh, I listened to the Wu Tang and they said, uh, heaven, heaven is what you make it and hell is what you go through. That was like eye opening. That's some five, mm. that was some, some five percenter <laughs> stuff. Right. But this was also in my point of transition as I was, you know, went to college and was starting, you know, free from, uh, just, just the, you know, the, 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 the influence of my mom. And I was able to kind of think, uh, about these things. And, you know, five percenters kind of helped me make this break because I started looking at the world differently and just saying, well, okay, now you're talking about God is love. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, okay. And he filed. That's what we're dealing with. You know, God's one commandment is to be thankful. We're thankful for what? Mm -hmm. This life that we get to experience. And it can be heavenly. You know what I'm saying? It can be heavenly living. And it can also be hellish based upon, you know, how we act, our character, and our choices. So it just, I feel like it really made me, me as a person, mm -hmm. more accountable for my state of being and more living in the present living in yeah. this moment and not worrying about the, this anything else, just living mm -hmm. in this moment to the fullest that I can. And that's, I, that's really all we have, man. Like that's, and I love that you said that that's really all that you have in this very second is, is in the present moment in this second right now, mm -hmm. not the future, not the past, right? Anytime that you, even in your mind, if you spend too much time in the future, right now you're creating, you know, anxiety, you're creating, you know, mm -hmm. a state of like, you know, you're, you're waiting for something else to happen. That's where you are. You're not in the present moment. And then a, a, a number of times too, we're caught in the past. Mm -hmm. Everything that we're just recycling memories and things that have happened in the past, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And both of those states, when you're in the future like that and when you're in the past, it creates unrest. Mm -hmm. It creates a state of worry for whatever reason or it just draws that up. Whereas in the present moment, there's so much available. You know what I mean? There's a choice with what you said. I mean, you can have the choice and you're now accountable and responsible for that choice you make in the second about how you choose to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That is a wow. <laughs> 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 because when you think about it, the Bible tells us that in Matthew, when it says, don't worry about where your raiment will come from. Don't worry about where your food mm -hmm. will come from. Like it, it tells us not to have this anxiety because the God that we serve and I'm think I'm talking about King James version, but if you think about it, God's going to provide for you, so don't worry about it. And yeah. then we cre create this sense of worry, and um, I just find that interesting. You you stated um, in in your um, in your series that you no longer carry a Bible. Do you feel like God's word is, you know, because you talked about like, wow, I remember you said you're going in the grocery store and you left yeah, your Bible. And, you know, yeah. there was a thing that you kind of carried around like just like a purse. You, it was your thing. Mm -hmm. um, do mm -hmm. you feel like God's word is imprinted in your heart and mind? Like, 
And I and what I I asked that in the sense of the Book of Eli. Have you seen that movie with Denzel? Yes. And on the Book of Eli, it was a time where the Bible was gone. So these people had to rely on their memories and all this stuff. And and when we find out at the end that Eli, he was the book. He had God's word in his heart, in his mind. So do you feel like that in you know in your studies and you know and historically speaking all these the culmination of moments and experience do you feel like God's word is imprinted in your heart Yeah I think it's imprinted in all of our hearts really we just don't recognize it we don't know it it's naturally there that's a, that's that's what I I really hold to is that everything that we need is already here we just don't really recognize it or see it that way, you know, just based on certain limitations that we've been given and ways to see the world and ways to see God, even that you have to behave a certain way in order for God to respond to you or for God to listen to you. You got to make sure all these things are crossed off. You got to pray this way. You got to do this and that. That, I think, creates limitation as opposed to the understanding, which is the truth, that God and that truth and that love is accessible at all times. Mm. So I so in that in that respect, his word, you know, in terms of the Bible, and I, I think I have like one one or two Bibles or so because I just have a bunch of them. Like I had the Bibles, different <laughs> translations. I had the parallels, I had the concordances, and I had other stuff. In you there. Like you I were had every, you were in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have you know I do have a couple um, of them, and now when I do hear scripture, somebody mention it, I don't, I just I see it and hear it so differently. Mm-hmm. you know, than before. There's no fear attached to it. I'm not thinking, oh, let me hear this because I need to get this right. You know what I mean? And whatever, and putting all this pressure on myself. It's just, wow, what is this ha- What is this saying to me? How does this resonate with the things that I'm desiring in life, which are good? Everybody wants something good. It's like nobody mm-hmm. wants to uh, go on a murder spree. Not everybody. We hope so. I mean, murder, but, but, <laughs> there are sociopaths. But, but, Okay. Yeah, there are. But, you know, in your general person. Yeah, in your normal human being. (laughs) Yeah. Natural human being. And that's interesting. We we desire good. It's interesting that you say that naturally we desire good because being raised in a church, I've always heard the opposite that we are innately bad. Yeah. You know, you know, that literally we're bad. Yeah. <laughs> and not innately good. So that's just yeah. like a flip on the head, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, too, I remember one of my friends who also and you know went to church very often. I remember at one point she told me that she decided to take a break from church because she was like, I'm already feeling bad on a, on a regular basis. Why am I why am I going to use my time and then pay somebody for them to Make me feel worse. But, you know, to (laughs) to make me feel worse and to make me feel like, wow, you know, and it just continues and perpetuates a message of that you're not good enough. That's exactly the opposite of what it means to be, I feel, being in a Christ-centered nature. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's about knowing that you're deserving, knowing that you're worthy, you know, And, and that's what Jesus had. And when we talk about the character of Jesus and wanting to mimic that, it's about what he had. He had a he had a connection. He walked around saying that, that you know the Father and I are one, mm-hmm. and everybody else said that it was blasphemous. He's saying that literally God is within me and, and I'm within God, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the same confidence I think that we have the ability to mimic 
on this planet, and it's not going to look the exact way that Jesus did. We're in 2020 with the coronavirus. How, you know, what would Jesus do? Right you know? Jesus did not wear J's, okay? <laughs> Jesus didn't have what or, we got right now. <laughs> but it's, it's different expressions of that, right? Christ can come out differently in, in you and how you express and show up and how you feel the most alive. You know what I mean? And it looks different for me, too, and it looks different for the, for the next person. But ultimately, it, comes, it, it culminates around love. And the fact that we're excited and happy and you know, feeling alive. You just made me have a, a thought because I think that people want the the image of God to be cookie cutter, cookie cutter, right? Because we say we're all made in the image of God, and I think we expect that to look a certain way when we all have um, pieces of God. I want to say pieces of God, right? So there are people that are funny, right? They have mm-hmm. their image of God. They have God's sense of humor. And then there's people that, have, you know what I mean? And I think where we start getting into clashes because, like, I made this post yesterday that I learned in therapy. Shout out to therapy. <laughs> and I put it I put it on my Facebook, and it went, like, crazy. Like, everybody was like, yes, we tend to judge people where we are strong. Mm-hmm. So when that person, you, you know what I mean, you on your video, you know, you're a virgin until you're 27. I don't know how you were in judging people who lost their virginity before that, but there are people that were judging like, I don't have sex. And, you know, and so because they're strong in that area, then it's like, because you were not, then you're less than, you know, like I, I mm-hmm. used to, I didn't have, you know, sex. I, I thought I was going to be like you, right. Not engage in intercourse until I, I got married, but I wasn't a person that condemned people when I did when because I didn't, it was just like, well, that's my thing. You know, but there are people who do because they feel that they're strong in that area where I'm pretty sure I judged in another area where I, you know, knew that I was strong. So we tend to do that. So I like to say that because we get, like I said, we get in these clashes because our idea of what it means to be God's image looks one way as opposed to saying that we are multifaceted. And God mm-hmm. is multifaceted. Look at all the mm-hmm. awesome things yeah. God made on this earth from the mountains to and the, the various types of animals to know that he's not, uh, um, multifaceted and it's just not a one size fits all, right? Exactly. It, I mean, go outside <laughs> and you'll see. Simple. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Simple. Go take outside. a walk around the block, seriously, and you'll see that, like, how, how can you even describe God? How can you define God? Why are you trying to define what God's image looks like on somebody unless you know it for yourself? You know, it's easier to see it in other people versus to, you know, to, to judge and say it ain't there wow. in somebody. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she said it's easier to see it in someone. Come on. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> as, we, as we come to the close of this, because uh, this church right now, whether y'all know it or not. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, uh, as you, you know, got further into your videos, we, you talked about dating and you mentioned you used to be married and I want to touch on that. I saw a post and I always feel like there's divine providence in everything I do. Like when I say I'm going to do a show uh, on something, all this little pieces, of, like it comes and I'd be like, it's you know, word. yeah, I'd be it's like the living word <laughs> speaking to you. A pause, a pause. Yeah. So I I, I saw a post, and I'm not one, because I don't like when people just live their life off memes, because I'd be like, okay, come on. But (laughs) 
this girl made a post and it said, equally yoked doesn't mean that y'all both Christians. Throw, I'm about to throw this whole computer. She said, being equally yoked doesn't mean that y'all both Christians. And that mm-hmm. resonated with me. And I guess, you know, the Christians and they might say, you're trying to look for something to justify what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to justify <laughs> what I'm doing. I felt like Terrence and I were equally yoked, but we just practiced different religions. But every time me and him, like when he goes to his prayer corner, and I go to my prayer closet. And sometimes we pray together. Like, I don't, we mm-hmm. don't not pray together. It, Terrence always say, I won't let him pray. <laughs> <laughs> but I do be ending it in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> but even when we go to our respective corners and pray, and then when we come back together, we end up being on the same wavelength of prayer. You know what I mean? It, it's always in sync. And we are equally yoked in a sense of when they say education level, all these things. Because when I was thinking about people that I kind of dated before him who identified as Christian, I'm like, these people was raggedy. (laughs) 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 So with you, (laughs) with you in dating, you know, you, your idea for love, I guess we can say evolved. Um, I don't want to disclose it. If you don't want me to disclose it, you're okay. Okay. She used to be married to a man and now she got a woman. So (laughs) how did, Oh, I want to let you know. So on your video, uh, you talked about how you met your new love at pickleball. Uh Why is that our new family hobby in our household? Like I saw the, yeah, he, you said it in your video, but I didn't know that he had, heard about it too so then I was telling him about the story and then he was like wow this rapper that he knows is like now like a professional pickleball player so we Ooh. wanted to pick it what's the he's rapper not a, he's not a professional he thought he was considering trying to be he a wants professional, to be pro but he it, <laughs> I was introduced to pickleball through watching him uh his videos it's uh from the it's an old school group called the UMC's NY Oil cool Kim Sharpton yeah it was him and he's now in like Augusta, Georgia, and he's picked up pickleball. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I can do that too. So he, <laughs> so he told me about that story. I told him what, what you mentioned, how y'all met. So we were like, well, let's go get it. Let's get on this. Pickleball. We literally play pickleball every day. <laughs> Every other day, there? we're out there playing pickleball. Yes, I got out of messed up my knee in the parking lot. We just in the parking lot. We, we just <laughs> got a portable net yeah. and drew chalk lines on the ground. We bought and paddles. <laughs> started playing. That's we like... introduced it to the kids. We That's be we, <laughs> we be trash talking. This is literally dividing our family. Okay, it's real. So yeah. I wanted to throw that in because in the video you talk about you met your love at yeah. pickleball, but. Can you ex- talk about that journey a little bit, how you were married? You were in a heterosexual relationship. You were married. You lost your virginity. You know, you did all the Christian things to marriage to this man, and now you're dating a woman. Like, how? Come on. Help us out. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, well, what I would say is that uh, growing up, I always was, uh, you know, like let's say Easter Sunday or whatever, we're getting ready to go buy clothes at Burlington Coat Factory. Shout out Burlington Coat Factory. Shout out to Burlington. Um, <laughs> but my mom, you know, she would always pick out these flowery dresses for me to wear and all this stuff. And I would go pick out something different, not necessarily super, 
uh, tomboyish, but it just was enough to pass for what I felt was comfortable to wear and go to church and still kind of be chill. Mm -hmm. And so um, my mom put, you know, she there's definitely this pressure in terms of what a woman was supposed to do and look like and wear skirts and dresses and things like that. And this started to kind of make me fearful at some point that I would never meet a, a man, you know, or that I, because I wasn't girly enough, I couldn't find a, a husband or, or a man to like me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started seeing people like MC Light, Queen Latifah, Aaliyah, that I started to think, oh, no, I'm good. Like, somebody <laughs> could come along and be okay with it. Right. And, and so I, I essentially did have that with my, with my first husband. And so um, he, he didn't care about that stuff. And we were really, really great friends. And um, he and I, I think we were together for the sake of helping us to understand the spirituality and how to grow and how to leave church because we essentially did that process together mm -hmm. and made that transition together in terms of leaving the church. But nevertheless, um, to, to fast forward, uh, we ended up moving from Philly to California. Uh, we drove there. And this was about, this was in 2017 that we moved to California. And three months after we got here, he told me he didn't want to be married anymore. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, um, you know, there was a lot that definitely went through my mind. It was kind of like for, to be divorced and to even talk about divorce in, you know, right. church, church wise and what that meant to other people. That's it was no. like a huge no, no. And it mm -hmm. was like, you know, that, that's a sign of failure and the devil is now whatever whatever you know all this stuff so um at this point you know it was interesting I, I i found myself trying to do the dating thing at one point uh, but then just kind of giving up on it and i knew that at some point i said that somebody out there <laughs> you know is, is for me and somebody that i can really show up and be myself with and truly just have pure love i said there's a lot of love that i have that i know that i'm meant to give and to share and I'll eventually have somebody to do that with. And so this eventually came with just a friendship that I had with this other woman playing pickleball. We were pickleball buddies. <laughs> and I couldn't deny how, like, just how much I enjoyed being around her and um, just, just being in her presence. And bit by bit, she eventually told me at one point, she sat me down and she told me that she had feelings for me. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I'm a deer in headlights, basically, because this lifestyle or this, you know, this way of being was also a big no-no. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so I, I definitely had issue with that in, in the sense of like struggling, like, is this right? You know, like, what do I do? But she told me that right before I went on a trip to Thailand. Mm -hmm. So I'm in Thailand and I, the only person that I could think about sharing all this newness that I was experiencing with her. Mm -hmm. And, and I had to recognize that. And I sat with that and I recognized how do I, you know, like really sat down in my heart, you know what I mean? Like put aside all of the other notions and the things that I've been taught. How do I really feel truly in my heart? And when I did that, I noticed that I really did have a love for, for her. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I get back from Thailand and, you know, at that point is where we officially kind of started our relationship together which again, bit by bit, I'm like freaked out every other day. <laughs> like, just, like, totally freaked out. You're like, like questioning, like, wow, doing? what is this? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just this balance between like, what am I doing? And oh my God, this is, I feel like I'm on top of the world, you know, in terms of love and true love and what it means to be with somebody like that. And so um, then eventually we uh, took a trip together to Thailand together mm -hmm. and we were gone for three weeks. And travel can put a lot of, 
stresses on a relationship. Yes, let me tell y'all. Travel will expose whether y'all supposed to be together or not. And I learned that a long time ago from a married couple. That that, that was like one of the determining factors if he was going to ask um, his current wife, would he marry her? Because a trip it will expose. And Terrence, we've traveled enough. We good? We cool? Yeah, we good. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> But we, we traveled and it was three weeks internationally in, a, in different countries, you know, and that experience was the best, the best experience ever. And that really, like you said, really tested. I mean, we did have some things that came up mm-hmm. that needed to be dealt with, but the way that we dealt with it and the way that we were able to connect very quickly after a quick misunderstanding, which in my previous relationship, but it took three weeks to get over it. Oh, <laughs> To be honest. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, it just was a, a breath of fresh air, really, and uh, just an amazing feeling that we still feel every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people might have, you know, challenged with hearing that and understanding that, but I just would position them with the question of, have you ever felt true love like this? Because if you had, you would want more people to have it and not care what it looked like and if it wasn't your way that you would go about doing it. Right. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a powerful it's a powerful transformative experience when you can be yourself with somebody else mm-hmm. and to grow with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's, <laughs> that's my, my, my experience, I guess, with that. It definitely was challenging. And I mm-hmm. had my share of, uh, even more of the, oh, she held down, she lost her mind, uh, <laughs> type what? of feedback, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But like I said, after a while, like I said before, I, I don't need to defend it. I really don't. Yeah. I feel on top of the world every single day. Um, uh, just, just knowing that I'm with somebody that uh, truly cares about me and that I care about them that way. I have a two-part question. You said feeling on top of the world, and I've shared this with Terrence before. Because you're saying that now, and it's like the Bible will say, "What does it profit the man to gain the whole world and lose his soul?" So. It's always one ready in the chamber. Don't I always got one ready? But what? And look at me. Okay, so like when you hear that, like. Because like I like I would struggle with those type of scriptures, and I'd be like, I'd be like, God, like we can't say that the devil is bad and he wants bad, but then he gonna give us something good. Because I feel like only good comes from God. No good mm-hmm. can come from the devil or the enemy. You know what I mean? So what mm-hmm. about you? What say you, Parshel, to that? I think it's all up to your perception and how you see it. Because I think that that's ultimately what determines how you live your life. You know what I mean? Like, if it could rain today, it could rain today, and you would say, oh, my God, this is the most horrible day ever. It's raining on my special day, da-da-da. And I'm sitting here celebrating because my garden needs to grow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's all in perception, perspective. Like, you know, if that's that's what you choose to believe, then, you know, that is it's valid. You can have it. That is yours. If that's what you need to govern your life, um, but for me, I, I don't. I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, I know what I know, mm-hmm. right? And that's, again, like I talked about, there's a difference between believing something and what you've been taught about something, and versus what you truly know. Mm. And I think it's ultimately our responsibility as human beings who are responsible for our lives to convert beliefs and things that we've been given from our childhood into things that we truly know. And if it doesn't cross that, you know, it doesn't pass that test. It doesn't need to stay there, you know, and you mm-hmm. can let it go. And, and to know that when you do let things like that go, there is a process. You know, you might be letting go of certain parts of your life and of your family to make that decision. But ultimately, that's how you start to live out a life of confidence and 
calm and peace because you're walking every day and what you know to be true for yourself versus the slither of doubt that you have about something that was given to you as a belief. I just want y'all to know that partial ain't new to this. Like she was a, a minister in the church. She grew up in the church <laughs> and she got a master's in theology. You know, she's just not out here. Just, you know, randomly out here just with a being, I don't want to say that that's disrespectful, but you know what I mean? She just, she has studied and lived and this is not something that she woke up in the middle of the night and it happened. It was a process and it happened. And as, as we near the end, you know, you were once identified as Christian and as Christians, we are taught that if we, and you know, the scripture, if we be lifted, we'll draw all men unto Christ yeah, to win yeah. souls. Do yeah, you feel I like your declaration <laughs> of leaving the church will cause people to depart from God? From from God? No. That wasn't my experience. That's, I was taught that if I did these things that I'm doing today, that I would be farther from God, that I would have a destructive life, mm-hmm. that all these things would happen. That is not what I know to be true to today. Mm-hmm. And that's all that I can experience. And I encourage other people to just know that for themselves. And that can be, like you said, you know, uh, the scripture, when, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm lifting myself up to, a, you know, in that, in that same way and understanding and walking in a certain confidence in myself, there's more than likely going to be people that want to hear my story. There's been a shift that's happened with me personally, I would say, mm-hmm. in terms of me letting go of worrying about what other people will think or feeling like I need to defend. I'm standing in a truth and an awareness that I know for myself. And I think with that, as I continue to do more of that, more people will be interested in what I have to say. I won't have to convince nobody of nothing. I don't think anybody should else have to convince anybody of mm-hmm. anything. Like, let your life be what speaks and draws people to what you have to offer and what you're living so other people can have that too. I don't think that they'll be drawing people away. I feel closer to God than I've ever felt in my entire life <laughs> by, right. by, by doing this. And I know that's counterintuitive to say, but that's, that's my truth. That's my experience. You know, like that's, yeah. And look, nobody I'm, I'm, can change what so, you know to be true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, right. because I know it, it's not, uh, it's not something that somebody taught me to think as a response. It's not something that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what, this is just what I know. And there's more things that I still need to uncover, right? Mm-hmm. Still more beliefs that are still active, but that's, I think that's all our responsibility. Tear that stuff up, go through it, ask questions, right? I think a lot of us have questions that we're denying because we're afraid of what people will think because we're thinking that. Mm-hmm. That's not freedom, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's another story. That's a whole nother podcast, which you're welcome to come on and discuss. Um, And lastly, do you think you'll ever go back to traditional church? Uh, In in what sense? I don't know, to attend, to sing in the choir, to be on the praise. I mean, because you know, like you said, the, the word of God is in your heart. You know mm-hmm. it, and there are aspects of the church um, that you you know that still resonates with you. And like I said, mm-hmm. you didn't leave on bad terms. You no. ju- it just comes how it is presented to you. It filters through your mind differently. So would you be open to like, well, yeah, I'm gonna go to church. Just how, and that that's just anybody at church. When I'm at church, 
and I, there's a person shouting, there's a person clapping, there's a person just sitting there. We're all getting it filtered a certain way. So do you mm-hmm. think you'll just ever go back to traditional church because it's just going to filter through different? Um, I think I would, I would maybe still visit. I have no issue visiting if somebody invited me to church or something like that. I have, I have no problem at all going to that. In fact, I would love to, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not against it. In other words, wherever I go, there's something for me and everything's always happening for me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm invited to go somewhere and that becomes an opportunity to, to take, then if I, if I feel an impulse to take it and I, I want to take it and I'm going with what I feel to do, then yeah, I, I would love to go. I still jam to some some to some church music. Come that's on, one of the things that ain't that that, that don't leave you. <laughs> that music was so original. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's good stuff. But the the traditional sense of like every single Sunday going to a church, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't say that right now, but I would definitely visit or you know tune in or what have you to a a, a positive message that's going to help me. I know I said that that was my last question, but this is my real real last question. How does <laughs> it's all good. how does your family receive you now? You know, initially, I think I think after a while, they just kind of just see me as first they're going to do what she's going to do, kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And they love you um, all the same, right? Yeah, you're yeah. not shunned. Still, no, in fact, I mean, part of part of my experience too when I left the church, it really opened me up to discover more about myself. And so I did do some leadership training, and I did some work on uh, emotional intelligence and all of those things. So um, some of the challenges if you will with that was just getting on the con- getting on the phone with a family member and just telling them what you what they needed to hear from you mm-hmm. from an honest place and so I did a lot of that work as well um as all this was unfolding so yeah. I think overall they were able just to kind of see and see that I'm that, that I'm happy and um you know and, and just grow with me so we're every we're, we're all on good terms at least that I know of mm-hmm well, thank you so much <laughs> for being a guest on my show today. It was very enlightening. Thank you for sharing your story. Again, um, everything that uh, will how to follow when I left the church will be in the show notes on YouTube and on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. In true Tanae Talks fashion, Parshell, this is your time to give your shout-outs. So go ahead. Who you want to shout-out? I want to shout-out. Uh, a couple of people. One is my girl Moya. So she is, um, she's doing her thing uh, right now with the coronavirus, but I, I love her and she sells a lot of clothing online. Mm-hmm. So you can check her out, Funklectic uh, underscore vintage. Send it so, to me and I'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. And I also want to shout out uh, my friend Jenna. She's been amazing. Uh, we've actually, it's like we've helped tell each other's stories mm-hmm. to this point. And uh, I'm just excited for the work that we're doing because it's starting to attract more people who want to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of power in that. So I definitely want to shout her out for her uh, courage and her uh, ability just to, to go forth and use her voice to help other people mm-hmm. because it's helped me to do the same. And, uh, and I think together we can help other people do that. That's what's up. Terrence, who who you shouting out today? <clears throat> who I want to shout out? Oh, first and foremost, <laughs> because I said something earlier that's been sitting on me that I have to make sure that in this shout out, I shout out my mama. You better. <laughs> Listen, I shout out my mama because when I said I want that I had to leave her influence, I don't want anybody to walk away thinking that <laughs> my mama still don't have influence on me to this day. Yeah. <laughs> right? I love my mama and everything that I went through is it was all for the good. It got me here. So shout out to 
Mama May. And shout out to my Baba. Shout out to uh, Baba Maolowu Ogumbayo Ileyesina Balea Nifa because this is the path I, fa- I follow now. I'm here on this tradition, and this Ile got me to where I am. Today is uh, Ose Ifa, so it's a good day. It's a good day to just speak about just the blessings that uh, and the peace that I finally found because I found my sweetie led me to that path. And, you know, we could just... <laughs> You know, like you said, you know, being happy. Why would God not want us to be happy? And I'm definitely happy. So shout out to you, baby. Well, <laughs> and shout out to Jesus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Uh, I hope no animals were harmed in the making of this show. And hopefully no souls were lost in the recording of this show. <laughs> it is all love, and I hope that this show has allow people to walk in their paths, walk in their truth, not to be sad, not to be weary, not to be wounded, and, you know, to go to that special pre- uh, that special place that they need to go to in order to center themselves and receive peace. Shout out to y'all that the peace of God be in you and in your hearts and over your lives. And shout out to my son, AJ, because he told me not to get coronavirus because I was going out into the world. Please, mom, don't get coronavirus. He said, please, mom, don't get coronavirus. <laughs> Son, I don't have oh coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that concludes our show. Thank you, Parshel. I'm going to end it uh, with the great Reverend Leon Lonnie Love. Thanks for a You stop being cheap and put it all in there. Go ahead, Cole. <laughs> Everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. Be alright. What the Holy Ghost tell you? Holy Ghost done told me. Everything's gonna be alright. Holy Ghost whisper. Everything's gonna be alright. The Holy Ghost done told me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, first year. Thank you. Yo. It's Tanae Talks. We're going to talk about it right here. Yo. You ready? It's Tanae Talks right here. We're going to talk about it right here. We're going to talk about it.